Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is the show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So are the Braves returning to their 90s form where they're actually going to be a relevant team? Yeah, of course they are. (laughs) Of course they are. Uh, We're talking, of course, about the acquisition of Josh Donaldson. What do you think? I I don't really know. I think that he's past his um, superstardom years. I agree with that. And I I don't know how many games he's going to play. So, I mean, yeah, he's sort of like Chipper Jones in that way. <laughs> should we uh, should we over under the number of games he's pl- the number of games he plays cuz I actually don't think he's going to be that hurt. I just don't think he's going to be very good. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, yeah, so games played, that's it's not really going to affect that much, right? Yeah, Chipper Jones, let's see. The first year of our home league, Chipper Jones played 128 games. You want to hit the over under right there? That's that's a really good over under. One twenty eight. I guess I mean I guess I'm stuck taking the over, but man, the over. that's that's tough. All right, we are desperate for any sort of Game of Thrones adjacent information. I think mm-hmm. to the point where I found myself watching an interview of George R. R. Martin on Stephen Colbert, and I have a lot of thoughts about it. Just jump right in, man. I I understand. Number one thought. He looks better walking than I thought he did, than I thought he would. <laughs> like, he crosses the stage, and my first thought was, excellent, he still moves. Good, yes, very good. You're still healthy enough to be able to move across the stage. Yeah, I mean, it's... he doesn't look like that healthy of a dude, right? So the fact that he actually could move across the stage, and he's not, like, totally huffing and puffing when he sits down, makes me feel a little bit better. Okay. No, he does look like that kind of old man who's just sitting there on in a chair, not yeah. moving. Yeah, like you, you probably could have told me that he was wheelchair bound, and I would have been like, ah, "Bummer." Okay, I believe it. Yeah, and the next question would have been like, "So, how long since 2012?" <laughs> but there he is. He's been he's trucking across the stage. Okay, so that was that was good. My my confidence rises there. Second mm-hmm. thought: He does not know Lord of the Rings that well. Um, not in the same way that Colbert does, clearly. Yeah, I think I was, I think both I and Colbert were expecting him to be a little bit more of a Lord of the Rings interview. I also appreciated that Colbert didn't know that it was for just the first half. That was pretty good, (laughs) yeah. No, even Colbert hasn't read that yet. (laughs) So, uh, I would say all around a... A depressing interview in terms of getting main story any information content. nope not happening i mean so the last book he released was 2011 yeah wow so it was i looked this up again today because it was it was um it's 2000 it's 96 98 2000 2005 2011 mm-hmm 
so he's he's not quite exponentially increasing but like <laughs> close yeah i mean he walks well but i don't think he has another 12 years in him which is on his timeline is like the when uh the spring comes out yeah oh wow Song he's re- it's gonna be pretty close not to get too morbid but that's gonna be pretty close <sighs> This week on the pod, Eric is going to talk us through preseason hitter comparisons, working on a little bit of the clustering. We're going to talk about the theory in the first half, and then the second half, Eric's going to talk about a sample list that I gave him. So take it away. During the preseason, I spent a bit of time developing clusters for hitter archetypes. The whole point being that we could take a look at um, projections for those uh, hitter archetypes and see whether certain um, types of player were being drafted differently. Just, you know, assuming earlier, later, etc. Um, so I created clusters um, based on player projections of fantasy stats, um, subbing in hits for average and normalizing all of the stats to 600 at bats. Um, that way we could get uh, every player's type accordingly um instead of biasing it by player time assumptions and and whatnot you know like the assumption that Giancarlo Stanton (laughs) might get fewer at bats um I think was a preseason assumption you know you don't want to cluster on that you want to cluster on assuming he got 600 at bats what would his statistics look like how many clusters did you choose there's six clusters um I started with three I went up to 10 and then I shaved it back to six okay. because I felt that six gave a reasonable number of variation across the clusters before you started to overfit um, and get like, I, cause we want to have a good amount of players in each cluster. And I think as soon as I started getting to, seven eight nine clusters what it was doing it was picking certain certain like tiny clusters Mm, that were at the at the at either end of the distribution and um just picking them out rather than you know creating more robust clusters like you want to be able to say like you want to start with here are good players here are bad players and here's everybody else so i mean that's what your vision is of three clusters right and that work so there's six clusters does this mean that we should think of them of clusters zero to five in order of quality no and they're really kind of they're kind of random okay. in the assignment but cluster zero is a certain type of player cluster one is a certain type of player so in this scenario cluster four is the best cluster there it's a player that's about 130 109 um and 168 hits so that's <laughs> so why is it why is it that one cluster is the best and then we see other clusters that are specialized for instance we see a cluster that is high home runs and then slightly less in every other category and then we see one that's really high in stolen bases and slightly low in other ones why well, that's that... what we want, right? Well, I don't, I don't know if it's what we want. Do, do you really... I, I mean, I guess, I, I guess it is. You want to identify the best players across the board 
on some level, on some metric. And then from there, you want to be able to subdivide everybody else. Right, because you, cause you're going to have a, a general team or a general fantasy player archetype. You're going to have the best players. You're going to have you know the top 40 guys or whatever. Sure. Then you're going to have, um, and even within that, some of those top 40 guys are, are then specialized players, the stolen base guy, the home run guy. Um, and then you're going to have the players that are not worth uh, that are not worth owning. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then you're going to have kind of the, the borderline players who are probably going to be waiver wire fodder fill-ins. Sure. So I guess maybe what you want to be doing is, is identifying players. If you, if you were able to do this over the course of a season, you identify players that start in that waiver wire and then you see who's tending towards the next cluster. You pick them up. Right, exactly. The next cluster being, yeah, you have players who suck and then players who are on the waiver wire. And then you kind of have the two specialized, not um, best players. Right. You have kind of the stolen base folks. And then you have kind of the um, junior version of the elite players. Because the whole idea, the whole piece that I was looking at was really just to say, are um, splitting splitting up the universe of players into these player archetypes? Really good players, stolen base specialists, um, junior really good players, and then kind of like fifteen fifteen guys, and um, and then like twenty five guys, yep. as in those are home run and stolen base totals, and then horrible players. Um, I wanted to see if people were um, drafting them differently, looking at ADP. And what I found was that they were. I mean, the elite players are reached for. The players that have elite stats normalized to 600 at-bats are reached for, which means that's a cross. That means even players that are only supposed to get 80 uh, 80 games um, are still reached for. I refreshed this analysis mid-season, remember, to look at for um, buy low, sell high guys. All I did was I took the stats or realized at that point, like, I don't know, eight, ten weeks in, and said, what would this look like, normalized 600 at-bats, to try to find the players that were jumping between clusters. So we could say, oh, this guy started the year's waiver wire fodder. He's now an elite Mm -hmm. talent. Um, You know, maybe that means that it's time to invest in him, to buy low um, if his value is low or um, if someone has gone from the elite category to one of the non-elite categories, um, sell him high. Now this here, now today what we're talking about is we've lo- we're looking at, um, we've got the preseason projections and the clusters therein that everyone was assigned to with the preseason projections, as well as the 2018 full year stats. Again, normalized to 600 at-bats to keep everything consistent. Always. And then we re, re-ran, um, we used the um, resulting clustering algorithm from the preseason hmm. and applying that to the, cur- to the realized 2018 stats. Ah, now I understand what you did. That's cool. Okay. Okay. So instead of, so that means that it's apples to apples. Yeah. 
so if if a player was 130 110 with 168 um hits they were going to be in cluster number four i believe is is the way this yep cluster number four in the preseason if they ended up at if that same player ended up 99 31 95 seven yeah and 165 hits they're still going to end up in cluster four so we've got two disparate um (laughs) columns because this is a table that i gave to mike um, but they're using the same um, algorithm, clustering algorithm, trained wow. on the same data set. I, I'm a huge fan of that idea. That's a, okay. re- that's a really cool strategy. Right. And so that means that we're able to say, all right, so this is what the clusters were in the preseason. This is what they are now. Did someone change from one cluster to another? I mean, the point that I had um, in the preseason was to see whether... Um, you needed to reach on certain categories. So if you were like, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to wait on 2020 players or 10, 10 players or whatever, like you could. Um, And you can't wait on any guy who is going to be an elite talent. If they were to play 165 games, right? you know, uh, but what is the point of this exercise is to really, now that we've, this is now looking back, on two things. Number one, how are the projections for these players? And then number two, has anyone has anyone changed over the whole season? We did that, you know, ad hoc um, analysis, same analysis, middle of the season. But now we have the full season stats, and we can say, okay, people said that. Um, Justin Upton was going to be an elite talent in the preseason. Was he? Yeah, you're welcome for that for that example. The end of the season. Yeah, thanks, buddy. <laughs> we might be deep in the off season, but the Zeitgeist Tracker is still alive and kicking. Here's something it turned up lately. Antonio Bastardo is out until July of next year. No! Oh my gosh. Yes, but but the reason he's out is even better. He uh, he's serving a 140 game doping ban. Oh, <laughs> you bastardo, you! Which just I so now I'm worried that us using the term bastardo is just gonna is is like now it's really code for cheating. It's it most certainly is. All right, envisioning that I was gonna do this analysis, I I sent a text to Mike that said, "Hey, just give me some sample players so we can um, check." what the clusters would be um just just send me some sample players that will analyze (laughs) um so you gave me charlie blackman joey Votto, freddie freeman christian yellick justin upton josh donaldson trevor story kyle seager jonathan vr max kepler matt duffy and malik smith that's a pretty good mixture I think it's a good mixture of things that I really that I really needed to know about for fantasy and things that were designed to troll you specifically, Justin Upton. Thanks. Instead of like look scrutinizing all the stats really closely, we can look at this and be like, okay, this player, these players are the same. So cool. Their um, their preseason projections kind of match what the results were. So I think if you look at Charlie Blackman, it's yeah. like it's actually pretty cool because so his projection was 110 30 87 17 182 where that's runs home runs rbi stolen bases hits 
Then he ended up with 119, 29, 70, 12, and 182. <laughs> Hitting that hits is just it's just totally nuts. Yeah, so I I will say my top line looking at this is that I'm actually shocked that half of these guys, so there are 12 guys on that list, half of them, their their end of season cluster is the same as their preseason cluster. Yeah, as their preseason projection. So, yeah, the ones that were the same, Charlie Blackman, Freddie Freeman, Christian Yellick, Jonathan VR and Malik Smith all oh and Matt Duffy if I didn't say him already all the same cluster um now not all of those most of those were uh, supposed to be in the good cluster yeah. the best cluster and ended up in the best cluster um but then Jonathan VR was uh predicted to be in basically the stolen base cluster he ended up in the stolen base cluster um and Malik Smith was the same thing. That's even that's even more amazing to me. And Matt Duffy was supposed to be in in a shitty don't own him cluster and ended up in a shitty don't own well, him cluster. I don't know that five is a shitty don't own cluster. It's the it's it's I would say that five is the hits special cluster. Okay, sure. Why not? Yeah, the useless, but we get a lot of hits Bingo. cluster. Bingo. And the reason yeah. that I think it's that is because. Joey Votto ended up in that cluster. Yeah, Joey Votto ended up there. Everywhere else in fantasy, except yeah. for again, on base percentage and hits. You know, yeah. Joey Votto shit. Joey Votto. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No stolen bases. Horrible home run total. Lackluster runs and RBIs. But man, dude does get hits. Well, let's say okay. So six of these guys that I gave you in the first place were set to be in that cluster four, that elite cluster. Three of those mm-hmm. guys stayed in it. Joey Votto, we already talked about, knocked down a little bit. But he's not as bad as the two other guys who would have been in that. Justin Upton and the aforementioned Josh Donaldson both started in Cluster 4. Both end the year, or projected to be in Cluster 4. Both end the year in Cluster 1, which is... The, no, Cluster 1 is the Junior Elite Squad. So that's the logical... I don't think Cluster 1 is the Junior Elite Squad. We'll take a look at that. The Junior Elite Squad is 80, 27, 89... 149 remember that we're we start with zero zero is the like why are these guys even on this list but yes right yeah well that's they age into that's basically saying that these players aged into 80 percent of the elite um the elite production right i mean that's come on that's what it is sure i i guess i mean i'll i'll give you that i it's tough to say if you if you drafted somebody as a four in that elite cluster would you rather have them end up in cluster one or cluster five is a relevant question would you rather have them end up in the jv where they're 80 percent of the way there or would you rather have them end up in cluster five where three of the categories are not good where runs home runs rbis and then two of the categories are actually better or on par with what you expected stolen bases and hit if you ended up in five or three five or one were you five or oh no no i'm saying like what the question that you're really asking is would you rather to have a player go from being elite to being junior elite or would you rather him go from being elite to specialist as in like there are some players who went from from the cluster four, the elite cluster to the speed cluster right 
and some who went to the hits cluster and then some who went to yeah um i would rather be junior league i mean in That's terms of like competing i guess i guess in part it depends on maybe it depends what on the strategy you, is yeah what the strategy is and also where you drafted them i think you'd be mm-hmm. a lot I think that with Justin Upton and Josh Donaldson, yeah, they're projected to be in cluster four, but you probably paid a little bit less for them. But, I mean, like, look at this. Justin Upton was supposed to go 87, 32, 95, 12, 141. He ended up 80, 30, 85, 8, 137. Yeah. I mean, that's it's still a really useful player. <laughs> No, you're, you're right. I mean, they are really useful. My point was more that this was partly an ADP exercise in the first place. and so Oh, true. So then yeah. you don't know. But, okay, so what about the, the two guys that were in that JV cluster, Trevor Story and Kyle Seeger, and we see very different outcomes for the two of them. Both owned by the flatulent fellas. Why do you think I picked them? Yeah, no, exactly. Um I mean that's exactly what you want, right? Is for for your players to in that elite uh, junior elite class to be able to move up. Yeah, but isn't this you're seeing one one regressed in Kyle C. Right, exactly. And yeah, one nope, progressed. True. Yeah. So this is pretty much And that's what you what what you'd expect. Yeah, yeah. and that's and that's also I think what you want when you draft a bunch of cluster one guys, right? If you, you draft them in the mm-hmm. mid to late rounds and you think, okay, well, this is actually pretty good if, on average, half of these jump to an elite one and half of them back off a little bit. But right, and that's the thing is they need to be drafted in that range. You can't just be drafting the junior elite players hoping that they're gonna that they're gonna make that leap and reaching for them. That's a great. They point. need to be. Um, they need to be at the at the cost. That's a great. Because also be. we should mention Max Kepler started in this and ended up in, in the same cluster is Kyle Seeger, which Seager. was the yeah. backing off, so their projections were actually a little bit bullish. Okay. So this was kind of cool. And I I mean, the Malik Smith one is to me, is like the best proof of concept yep. for this. Yes, it is. He started in speed specialist, ends as a speed specialist. His stats are and this is why it's really important, because his stats end up looking very different than his projection. But really, he's the same kind of player. Yeah. It's just whether he had the opportunity or not. That's exactly right. You about ready to wrap this sucker up? I am. Do you want to talk Eastern Conference or Western Conference NBA first? Let's talk Western Conference because that shit is crazy. <laughs> really? Because I think East is pretty crazy too. But let's just say as of the recording right now, November 27th, the LA Clippers are the best team in the West by record that's that's what i'm talking about like who who in their right mind who in their right mind picked the clippers nuggets and grizzlies in as having um home court in the seating yeah at this point no, in the season no, you're absolutely right i mean i you know obviously as we've talked about at length before anything prior to christmas like I don't know how much attention we should pay to in the NBA. No. But still, this is pretty nuts. It is. It's... Uh, I don't even know. I don't even know, man. And it, it's, not, it's not like it's super fake in the sense that they actually have point differentials that you believe. Mm-hmm. They, they actually are, are... So it's not like somebody's anomalously up there. 
we're not exactly we're a quarter of the way through the season roughly we're not exactly out of the small small data sample but we're not with we don't have no data yeah we have enough that we should be able to be making some assertions and i here so let's go over to the eastern conference let's make an assertion bucks are good the bucks are actually good i think that there's a for the if we're talking about outcomes for the Celtics, which is something that we both have a vested interest in, the Raptors and the Bucks are both very scary. Oh yeah, yeah. Seventy Sixers not as scary, but Raptors and Bucks are are good. Yeah, they're both good teams, and they both have massive point differentials. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, with the Bucks, it's like, huh, who knew? Getting a above average coach would mean that your team would be above average would have above average production all right i think that about brings us to the review session r-o-t-k return of the king the return of the king this was like visiting an old friend where you're like old old friend man i used to have quite the close relationship with you and then i forgot you know, I didn't remember the exact scene order like I recall that I used to. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, all the beats are a little bit different. And, you know, a lot of those old friends, a little long-winded sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I forgot that you talked this much. Huh. Yeah, you know, pretty g- great to be with you. Could do with, like, mm, 20% less of you. Four hours and 20 minutes. I've been saying pretty consistently, well, that movie was a little bit longer than it needed to be, about 20% longer than it needed to be. Holy hell. I, you know, it's weird because right the minute the movie started, like we watched, you know, we watched Two Towers a while ago, but I think I uh-huh. sort of forgotten where it left off. And the minute this movie started, I remember like, there is so much that happens. There's like, so much that we have oh to do. No. There's like we're here in the story. <laughs> like no. There's so much legit book that we have to go through. There's so much of two towers that we need to finish. Yes. yes. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. I mean, I, it's still I think I'll be I'll be candid. ROTK is my least favorite of the original three. I agree with that. and I, But I think that they sort of knew that because they left so much to be cleaned up in this. There are three reasons why. Okay. <laughs> number one. Go for it. Number one is that we have to slog through so much Frodo and Sam that, in my opinion, because I'm like, you know, I loved the cliffhanger at the end of, of Two Towers. It needed to be in Two Towers. Kirthungal like that you needed to like end the end two towers with is frodo alive or dead that would be really great and you know i think now that i think about it that you could actually support that in the story like in the sense that you could support that in the movie flow like i assume that the reason they did it is because elijah wood had some writer in his contract about how often he needs to be on screen in rotk (laughs) but (laughs) You know, like you're not going to forget about Frodo and Sam just because all the other stuff is happening. No, if you remember listening to the commentary, because you probably watched every single, you have probably watched ROTK and then each one of the commentaries. Yes. We don't... Peter Jackson was like, 
well, we had to we had to switch this out into ROTK because timeline wise, it made the most sense. It's like of all the fucking things that you switch up here, like now you're gonna be like a slave to the timeline. Well, the fact well, the fact that the movie kidding? is so like the thing the thing that is the most jarring about that to me, and I agree because I did watch all the commentaries, and man, we had a lot of time in high school is what I've taken away from this. But the the thing is that when when Gandalf talks to Faramir in the movie and he's like, oh, you just saw them? And you're like, no, that was like hours and hours and hours ago. Yeah. What was Where was I going with that? That was like number one, my, my biggest problem, and then length of it, and then the number of endings. Like you could have stopped it. You could have cut any of those endings. Like the little get-together in the bedroom, the little um coronation scene okay i that's funny because i saw that part and immediately thought like oh we're having a curtain call like it was this time i felt it the most abruptly like all these actors just needed to get out there one more time looking not battle strewn or something yeah and that never really made sense to me and it's crazy nowadays considering that like marvel has had like 20 different movies but like this trilogy felt like did feel like epic and like these people were like graduating out of your life yeah, I agree with that. And so I think that was my sense is that that was the vision there. Like, oh, we need to give everybody an appropriate curtain call. Like, Gimli needs to show up looking like a real person or a real dwarf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was that was all. I mean, that was mostly for the crew and the actors, right? Had to be. <laughs> okay, we know we've got a whole lot of ranting. What do you What do you want to talk about? I'm sorry. I. I grabbed the bull by the horns, the ball no, rock by I, the horns. I think, I think that's exactly what I wanted to talk about. I mean, I, I agree that it's not my favorite, that it's my least favorite of the three, but I still like this movie a lot. I watched Fellowship so many more times. Yeah, I agree with that. Like before and after, bef- like before ROTK came out, I had seen Fellowship like two dozen oh, yeah. times oh you know? no there's there's no doubt about that um but there's no way that i've watched rotk two dozen times since the movie theaters all right enough of that we don't need to spend four hours on it although we could we could write our own commentary where are we going this upcoming week all right you're gonna have to correct me if we've done this already but i don't think we have rotj we have not done it yet that was it. We have not done it. That was it. ROTJ. What a strong follow-up to ROTK. All right. Um, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too.